Real Talk Personal Finance. Shit's about to get real. Cashflow King with you again today in episode nine on the fundamentals of estate planning. Truth be told, I was not planning on recording this episode just yet, and I actually was waiting for a buddy of mine who's also a financial advisor who has a really interesting story that's pretty timely that I wanted to have him tell on the show, and we've not been able to get that scheduled yet. I think he might have got cold feet, so I'm not sure if he's going to be coming on, to be honest, at all. And I just had a very interesting client meeting where I just felt compelled to just go ahead and record today's episode. So I jotted down a little bit of an outline here. It's probably going to be a fairly short show with some important information, but I just wanted to do a quick hit and get this out there just based on a meeting that I just had, and this has been on my mind for quite some time. So we are going to talk a little bit about estate planning today. I am not an attorney. I do not give legal advice. This is for education and entertainment purposes only. But if nothing else, I hope that today's episode might serve as sort of a reminder to many of you that if you don't have your affairs in order, that this might compel you to actually take some action. That's the primary reason that I'm recording this show today. I will go through several different items as we go through today's show about things to think about. But again, I am not engaged in the practice of law. I am not an estate planning attorney. So please take this from the perspective of a financial advisor or just a general person out there in the world that's trying to get some good information to everybody. What are we talking about when we talk about estate planning? What is estate planning? And different people might define it a little bit differently. I think the biggest, most obvious response would be that it has to do with making a plan that establishes who's going to eventually receive your assets And others would also add in that that same plan also makes it known how you want your affairs to be handled in the event that you're not able to handle them yourself. Maybe you become incapacitated or something happens to you. So it's pretty much preparing for what could go wrong and what inevitably will happen, death, in advance. Why is this important? And is the cash flow king just making this up and saying, hey, this is important shit, so you should definitely take a look at it? Well, no. According to a study on estateandwill.com that was conducted last year in 2021, of the people that they surveyed, 59%, and I actually thought this was kind of low, 59% of the respondents said that estate planning was either somewhat or very important. I don't know who in the world that they polled, but they had 16% of respondents said that it's not important. I don't know why you would think that. And then 14% that said that they haven't thought about it. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of people. But then they took a look of the same respondent pool, percentage of people who actually had an estate planning document of any kind, and the result was 32%. So although almost 60% of people say that estate planning is somewhat or very important, Almost two-thirds of the people had no estate planning documents in place whatsoever. And we don't say that to, and I don't bring this up on the show to shame anybody. In fact, truth be told, this was the last item in my quote-unquote financial life that I personally got in order. I was studying for the Certified Financial Planner exam and going through the coursework, and I've been a CFP now for several years, 
And I thought to myself, this is something that I have to get done, especially if it's something that I'm going to advocate the clients need to get done. Like I can't hold myself out as a CFP professional and not have my own financial house in order when it comes to estate planning. So that was kind of what prompted me to take action probably well before I was quote unquote ready to do so. And had I not been pursuing that designation, quite frankly, I may even still not have my shit together in the estate planning department. So it's nothing to be embarrassed about if you don't have your documents in order or it's something you just never even thought of before or you've thought, you know, I need to do this and you've thought that for the longest time for years and years and you just haven't done it. Take this as an opportunity to kind of give you a swift kick in the nuts or a swift kick in the ass or a swift kick in the fill in the blank for whoever's listening to our explicit show and go out there and, and do what you need to do to get some assistance with this stuff. So let's talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, why is this even important? Why are we doing a little mini show on this today? And really, either you can decide what happens, or ultimately, if you're in the U.S., your state will decide what happens if you die intestate, which is without a will, basically. I think most of us would rather have some sort of control over what happens to our affairs when we're gone, and then also who can handle our affairs in the event that we're not able to, again, if we were to become incapacitated during our life. It's something that definitely makes sense to, you know, you want to get with an estate planning professional to put these documents in order and get some things down on paper. But before you think that the first thing you have to do is just march right off into an estate planning attorney's office, which at the end of the show, I think I'll mention that I think you absolutely should do. I think we can start with a couple of things that you may not have even thought about before and take a look at things like even your bank accounts or credit union accounts. There's something called POD, some places will call it TOD designations on these different accounts. POD stands for payable on death and TOD stands for transfer on death. And for all intents and purposes, those are pretty much the same thing where you can designate sort of like a beneficiary. You can designate somebody that if you were to get hit by a bus or be in some sort of tragic accident by operation of law, that account would automatically pass directly to that named individual without having to go through probate court or any other delay on getting the assets to ultimately where you want them to go. So if you haven't done that or you're not sure if you've done that, especially if you have an account that's in your own name and it's not a joint account, and even if it is a joint account, you want to check on how that account is registered But if it's an individual account, you want to make sure that you have a POD payable on death or TOD transfer on death designation for that account and keep digging until you get somebody that ultimately enables you to put that designation on there. If you contact the first person at customer service or you march into your local branch and you look at the first bank teller that's there, they may not exactly know what needs to happen. But if you continue up the food chain ever so slightly, you should be able to get a POD or TOD designation on the account if you need to. The next thing is just the importance of beneficiary designations. And again, this is the reason that kind of prompted me to record this episode today before I was really planning on it. And without the guest that I was planning on recording it with, I had a meeting with a client who's 74 years old. And thankfully, they have their estate planning documents and everything in order. But we were going through reviewing some different accounts, and one of the items that came up that we generally like to make sure we're taking a look at are beneficiary designations on these different accounts. And two of those accounts happened to be retirement plans, and one of those accounts was a non-retirement plan. And we went over, and as we're starting to go through the beneficiary information, the client mentioned to me that she was very proud to say that they had their will, and this is how they had it written out in the will, and all those sorts of things. And she was under the impression, as are a lot of people, 
that somehow the will is going to override a beneficiary designation on a retirement plan. And the truth is that retirement plans and other types of accounts, certain contracts, will pass by operation of contract to a named beneficiary if you have one, and hopefully you do. So you could have a will that says, leave everything to little Johnny, but your retirement plan says that Jane is the primary beneficiary at 100%. And legally, if you pass away, the retirement company has to pay those proceeds out to your named beneficiary on that election form. And for those geeks out there, when I say pay it out, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're forcing a distribution. They're going to have the same inheritance options that any other beneficiary would have. And it's based on a number of things. Are they spousal? Are they non-spousal? Was the original owner past the required beginning date and all that good stuff? So for all those fucking nerds like me out there, let's not take that too technically. The point is you have one person named in the will and somebody else named as a beneficiary on the account. They're going to pay it to the beneficiary that's named on the account. So it's very important that you make sure that you periodically are checking and updating your beneficiary designations to ensure that your funds ultimately are going to go where they're intended to go. And in a lot of cases, the will and what the will says will fully support and be identical to what the beneficiary designations say. But a lot of times, again, if somebody updates a will, especially if they have something like they're remarried, they were divorced, they got remarried, for example, and they don't update their beneficiary designations on a retirement plan or a life insurance contract or anything like that, a lot of people will find out the hard way that it's going to pay to whoever's named on those contracts. So just something to keep in mind and something I would encourage everybody to do before you march down to your estate planning attorney's office to get the rest of these documents that we're going to talk about in order. The very first thing that you could easily do is make sure that your bank and credit union accounts, as well as retirement and even non-retirement accounts, are set up in such a fashion that you have folks designated on there where you want the funds to ultimately go, where they will pass by either operation of law or operation of contract. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the documents that you might need. Again, you want to have a conversation with a qualified estate planning attorney and a competent professional about your specific situation, your family situation, just everything about your life and be brutally honest with them because, and they're going to ask you if they're any good. They're going to ask you some pretty difficult questions. So just be ready to have an open and candid conversation with them. But in the process of doing that, there's probably a handful of documents that virtually everybody will have. In some situations, this is not not a show on estate planning strategies and advanced wealth transfer strategies and different types of trusts and things like that. We're not going to get into any of that on this show. This is simply just a quick fundamentals of estate planning. What is it? What are some things we can do? What are some documents I should have? And what do I do next? So this is designed to just be a quick show about the basics. So these documents, you're probably first and foremost going to want to have a will you're also going to want to have, and there's different names for this, either a living will, also known as advanced medical directives. You're probably going to want to have a power of attorney. Sometimes there'll also be a durable power of attorney. Sometimes there could be a special purpose power of attorney, but power of attorney, POA documents, is something that you're going to want to have. One of the others is going to be a medical power of attorney. You may even, I know when I did my estate planning documents with my attorney, there was a separate form that we signed 
specifically relating to HIPAA. It was basically because sometimes even just a medical power of attorney in and of itself may not be enough in certain situations. I think I actually have the document here. I get my little estate planning folder off to the side just in case I started talking about something and wanted to refer to it. Let me see here. Yeah, authorization to release protected healthcare information pursuant to HIPAA. So that was a special separate form that we signed in addition to everything else. And then finally, not everybody is going to need or want this. Again, discuss this with your own attorney, but you may consider something like a revocable living trust, which are fairly common. And I know personally, when I was getting my estate planning affairs in order, the number one concern that I had is if I pass away, I don't want anything to go through probate court, which is typically going to be a long, grueling, somewhat expensive process where it becomes public information. And there's just way too much opportunity for way too many things to go wrong. I wanted it to remain private. I wanted things to pass directly to whomever I wanted them to pass to, and I wanted it to be as seamless as possible. Did it cost some money to get it set up? Yes. Am I going to have to update that periodically over time, like most people probably will? Yes. But I can tell you that it is absolutely money well spent. So it's not a one-and-done process. You are going to periodically want to review the documents and review your situation and just update it as necessary. And for the most part, any major life event is probably a reason to check on and probably update your estate plan. That could be due to marriage, divorce, birth of a child, if somebody else that was in your documents passes away, any of those things. And I'm sure there's a laundry list of others where you're going to want to make sure you're making appropriate adjustments to your estate planning documents. So this would be one area that I would strongly encourage you to spend the money on getting a competent estate planning attorney in your state who knows the laws in your state. And that's very important. That's definitely something that you're going to want to make sure that you're not going online to LegalZoom or any of these other websites. And it's not meant to shit on them. And I'm not saying their stuff's not good. But in my opinion, there is no substitute for hiring a professional who you can have an interactive conversation with who fully understands your situation and all the intricacies of both your situation and those of the laws of your state. The last thing you want to do is rely on some bullshit boilerplate template where not all things that need to be considered are being considered because you wanted to save a couple of bucks. I mean, let's get real. We all spend money on things that we value. We probably all also spend money on things that we don't. But this is an area that I think is way too important to try to go the DIY, the do-it-yourself method. And I would strongly encourage anybody to seek out the services of an estate planning professional. So with that said, again, this is going to be a really short show. I may eventually add in, if I get permission from my buddy of mine, his story, or if he ever is willing to come on the show, which hopefully he reconsiders, that we might record a clip and put it at the end of this episode because I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to tell his story without him, but I remember talking with him as he was going through some things during a very difficult time. And there's no substitute from hearing that firsthand from the source. So I'm not even going to attempt to duplicate that effort or, you know, take the place of, of the impact that that could have if, if we can get him on the show. 
So with that said, thanks again for taking a few minutes to listen on the fundamentals of estate planning. If you've already got your estate planning documents in order, that's awesome. Congratulations. But I can guarantee you one thing, and that is you also probably know somebody who doesn't have their documents in order, or maybe you're not sure if they have their documents in order. So what a great opportunity. I will put in a shameless plug for the show. What a great opportunity to share the show with them, not only for the estate planning quick segment, but also for all the other awesome episodes. I think my opinion is obviously biased that we've had so far on the show. We really appreciate everybody's listenership. Since we recorded the last show, I think it was just a few days ago, actually, I keep checking the different locations on here. And most recently, we have additional listeners from Russian Federation. And we also had a spike in listenership out in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Shout out to the folks in Sharon, Pennsylvania. We had a pretty nice uptick for folks listening to the show out there. So keep it up. Hope you guys like it. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen today in Episode 9, Fundamentals of Estate Planning with the Cashflow King. We will see you in the next episode. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys.